This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Show all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by my co-host Taylor Mayberg. How are you, Taylor? I'm good. Excited to be here. We got a lot to talk about this episode. A lot of a lot of things, a lot of news going on in the world of Joshi this week. Yes, we are one day late. I apologize. It's my fault. I visited my mother this weekend and uh, therefore did not have the time to consume all the Joshi I needed to. So we've delayed it one day to help me out. Uh, but we're here. We're going to be talking about a lot. There's a lot of stardom, a whole lot of stardom news to talk about. And they've run about 3 billion shows since the last time we were on here. We got some news. Uh, we're going to talk about the Assemble show from October 1st. Uh, we're going to talk about Seedling, Choco Pro, Ice Ribbon. We got a lot to talk about. So that's all coming up on the show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Audio. Taylor, we have miserably failed at maintaining this Twitter account. Yeah, we did. Uh, I did realize today or yesterday or maybe a few days ago, I said, oh, we've really, <laughs> we were improving. And then we started really talking ourselves up. We started getting cocky on the podcast about yeah. how we were getting better. And now we've gotten absolutely worse. I'm never um, sure, like, am I supposed to talk about, uh, you know, am I supposed to do takes on things I watch on there? Because then I'm just going to do them on the podcast, you know? Yeah, that's my question. I guess we could open it up to the listeners to ask, do you want to see us do takes? Because sometimes I am watching a show and I think, oh, I could tweet my thoughts, but then we're probably going to end up talking about it on the show as well. Uh, so it is a little bit strange. I guess I could do that because I do often when I'm watching shows have a lot of thoughts about what's going on. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try to do that more as I'm watching one of the many, many shows, Joshi shows that happened through through the two week periods between recordings. Well, you got to be a little cagey, right? You don't want to give away the whole take on Twitter. Maybe I'll just do like um, like gotcha headlines to get people Ooh. to listen. Whoa! Just finish a Diana show, and boy, do I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> We can, we, I mean, we should also, you know, maybe do some tweets just so people know like what shows we're going to be talking about so they can make sure that they watch it before the podcast. Maybe that would be helpful. This is just our, uh, this is a production meeting here that we're having. Yeah, this is a work, we're doing a work session to open the <laughs> podcast on the Twitter account that we've now had for six months. Yeah. Well, you know, just give us your thoughts on that, I guess. Uh, you I can find the, the listeners have been very helpful. They were very helpful last week with uh, giving us a lot of questions. Uh, we have so much to cover this week. We we didn't take questions, but that will come back again because 
everyone was so helpful. A lot of great questions last week. So big ups, big ups to the listeners. Have to agree. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Subscribe to the show. If you use the Apple Podcast app, please give us a five-star rating and a review. That'll help people find the show or just tell a friend about Jumping Bomb Audio. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. And there is a link there to donate to the show. Okay, let's dig right into stardom. The big news is there's a lot of movement within the stardom roster. We got two new debuts, and then we have two people changing factions or units. I always say factions. I guess in Japan, they're units, really. Well, so they're, they're synonyms. They are. They are. That's fair, I guess. Okay, so let's start here. The big Dona Del Mondo debut, XXXX, is Natsupoi, a.k.a. Uh, Natsumi Maki, formerly of Tokyo Joshi Pro, the other person who recently left Tokyo Joshi Pro, Mina Shirakawa, also debuted, but she did not immediately join a unit, uh, implying, I suppose, that, that Natsupoi is uh, seated a little higher than Mina on the, the pecking order here in stardom. And then the movement that we had was Konami betraying Jungle Kiona in the unit disband match and uh, hitting her over the head with a chair, which led to Tokyo Cyber Squad disbanding, Konami joining Oedotai, and Jungle Kiona later uh, was invited and accepted uh, to join Stars. So a lot of movement, Taylor. I guess I'll start with the debuts. Kind of what, what thoughts do you have on uh, these two former Tokyo Joshi Pro members showing up in stardom? Well, I have to say that my sort of thoughts on it have less to do with who they are and more to do with just sort of the general idea of these debuts. And I don't know if this is a thought that you will uh, agree with me on or not, but I get the sense uh, we've had a lot of debuts over the last uh, few months, especially considering stardom didn't run for a long time seems like almost every other show, there's some sort of mystery debut. You know, the fact that we're now on quadruple X and Z for mystery uh, people showing up in sort of a short period of time. The whole sort of debut cycle now that has started to happen is starting to strike me as a bit of desperation on the half on the side of stardom or slash Bushi road. It just seems to me, we talked briefly about it last week that there are starting to be rumblings that Bushi road is maybe um, regretting their decision to uh, purchase uh, stardom. And it seems more and more to me like these debuts are an attempt at a quick bandaid to sort of jumpstart this promotion. I, I don't know, maybe Road came in and thought, hey, we're coming into this promotion that's already sort of successful. You know, they run Cork and Hall quite frequently. You know, they have a dedicated fan base that is in, you know, many different cities. 
all we need to do is come in, we'll have a little money, get some more people, you know, push the right people that we know will be successful, and it'll all work out. Now, there are there have been a couple things, um, as everyone knows, that have been out of their control. Um, they weren't running shows. They unfortunately lost many people who were fan favorites um, and things like that. But it just seems like all these shows constantly being like, ooh, there's a, there's a debut coming. Who could it be? And it isn't a debut that's like, hey, so-and-so's coming in, and we're going to show you a video to hype them up. It's always this sort of, ooh, it's a mystery. Who could it be? You have to watch the show, come to the show to figure out who's going to debut is starting to strike me as sort of trying to relight the same match over and over again, where I'm, I personally am sort of fatigued with the whole thing. And I wish that they would either just say, Hey, so-and-so's coming in or just put a hold on debuting some new people for now. I mean, it feels like just a few, it feels like just a few episodes ago we were talking about, you know, three or four other people debuting and now we're talking about two more people debuting and you know and then every person who leaves a promotion the question is, "Oh, are they going to stardom? Does stardom have room?" It's all these things. So, to me, that's my thought is that it's starting to grow a little sour to me all of these debuts. So, I think that's interesting in a number of ways and in a way I hadn't really thought about yet. Uh, first, I should say, yeah, we kind of, I think we, I don't know, scared some people or something last episode with, with mentioning that maybe Bushy Road was uh, regretful of their decision to purchase stardom. Uh, but it's not like, I don't have super inside information or it's not like it was something brand new that was like, oh, and they're about to, you know, get out of this, uh, this promotion. That certainly wasn't what I was trying to get across. It's just think, a thing that you continue to hear. We heard it before. Uh, and frankly, when I started hearing it was after Hana's death. I think it was just a, a thing for Bushi Road of like, wait a second. Uh, you know, there's is there going to be this pall over stardom in light of that tragic event? And I, I don't, we don't know the answer to that yet, I don't think. Whether start, I mean, stardom business wise is doing fine, but is there just kind of always going to be something hanging over it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but you know, I, I heard people come back at that idea with the the point that well, they keep signing people and debuting people, so they're still sinking money into the promotion. That doesn't feel like somebody who's trying to get out. But maybe you have a point, Taylor, that it's like. Uh, Band-Aid or something, you know, just to pop a house. It's kind of, it's wild because it's, you really can't look back now. I've seen people talking about how, you know, Bushy Road and the way that they were able to make this big impact when they came into New Japan. I don't think you can compare the two situations for a lot of reasons, but one is that what they were doing was working when they first came into stardom. Stardom was having its biggest houses ever and running Corquin more than they had in the past and still popping their biggest uh, Corquin attendances that they've basically ever had. So that it was a real thing. And of course, as you need in pro wrestling, they had a huge star to attract a new fan base. And 
they not only lost that star, they lost her under tragic, uh, miserable circumstances. So I don't think there's any way that they couldn't have uh, struggled from there, been pushed back from there, have that be a huge issue going forward. Now, I, when I look at their, you know, we're going to talk about this cork one in a minute. They drew 407 fans. You know, it seems like you can get about 700 fans in Corquin right now. That's not good. And they're running Corquin all the time. So that's probably a concern. And they drew, I think, almost 1,000 people to this Yokohama show. So that seems like a good sign. But um, I think you could be right, Taylor, that it is an attempt to kind of try to pop houses in a way that um, they haven't been able to after uh, Hannah's death and COVID kind of intervened in, in what they had going on. Yeah, and I also think that there was the whole thing before, you know, COVID shut everything down where it became, okay, we're going to run Corican twice a month now, which is something they hadn't done in the past. And then it was, you know, this struck and it was sort of like they started running before they were sure they could walk. Then this happened, but they were like, well, we're going to keep running Corican twice a month when we come back. And it hasn't worked out because they, you know, as we've seen here, I think the previous, the end of the five-star Grand Prix did a fairly solid number in the upper 600s. This one does 400, which may be a sign that these two-time-a-month Corricans are maybe for the time being not in the cards for them until they can sort of build the promotion back up a little bit. Well, they end up back where they were before, right? Of like, the five-star final always drew one of their biggest houses of the year. And their Corquins would always pop when they had something big to deliver. This Corquin card sucked. I mean, if you're looking at, like, what's the big draw of this? There's no, you know, uh, wider red belt match. There's no big singles match at all on the card. You had the cool thing about, you know, the, the Marvelous team coming in. But there's nothing here uh, to draw a huge crowd. And I think the fans gave them exactly like what they offered. You know, it's like you got exactly what you uh, should have gotten out of this kind of card. So, yeah, I think it would be a time to step back from from running two Corklands a month for sure. Uh, and especially, you know, a lot of times they end up doing it within like 10 days. I think this one was within about 10 days of the last one. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not good. Now, that being said, what about, you know, just on their own merits? Uh, let's talk about Natsumi Maki and Mina Shirakawa joining. I think I said on the show that I thought Natsupoi and Dona Mondo made sense. Like, that would be a good fit for her. And here it is. Um, and And I do want to, you know, fight back already at the idea of like, I saw a lot of people upset about, you know, everybody jumping to stardom, but it seems to me that these two people were fired essentially from Tokyo Joshi pro. So I'm not really sure you can, you can blame uh stardom or like poaching people from, from TJPW on this one. Yeah. Uh, not to me. I, it feels a bit strange because I remember when she debuted with Tokyo Joshi, I was really excited because she's very talented in ring. And I thought, well, of course she's going to rock it right to the top of the card. 
you know, she's talented enough, especially that promotion, which is a little less strong in ring wise versus a company like, like stardom. So I figured, Oh, she'll be at the top. She'll be fighting for a title, you know, very soon. And it just seemed like it never, the connection never took, it never really hit. It was never really the way I thought. And it's another person joining that I say, well, they're very talented, but is this the, you know, is this the big star that's going to rocket up the card, especially being now the, you know, XXXX. Now it's, you're in a big group of people who are all, who are all still fairly recent debuts. It's not like you're joining an established group where they can sort of push you to the front by yourself for a while because everyone else in the group is very established. I mean, they're trying to, you know, still work on Himika. Micah is still improving, getting better, getting a push and things like that. So now you're in a group competing for a push with, you know, a bunch of other people who are competing sort of for a similar type push, not to mention the whole company, which as we've talked about ad nauseum, is now absolutely packed to the gills with, you know, quote unquote, mid Carters with potential. And eventually someone from that group has to go up. But now you're talking about instead of maybe, you know, what it was a year ago, maybe the mid card was four or five or six people. And you say, well, maybe one of these five or six people will hit. Now you're talking about, okay, maybe one of these 12 or 13 people will hit and you're signing with this company and you better hope, well, I hope it's me, even though now I'm coming in at this point last, although the way the pattern's going in two weeks, we'll get another, you know, person or two in the company and then you'll be competing with them. Just seems like a whole, still to me, a whole lot of sort of picking up a lot of wrestlers who are in the same spot on the card. And when are you going to get someone, get someone up there? I mean, is my question. And then, so that's Natsumi Maki. I mean, Mina Shirakawa. Uh, I really like her as a wrestler. I don't see, I, in all honesty, don't see her. I think she's maybe a bit lower than the mid card. And so now you're talking about someone who not only has to get up to the mid card, but then would have to bust, you know, now you're even farther from the finish line that maybe she comes in and she's just sort of, um, you know, a pin eater in tags and things like that. And she, you know, helps the company to sell their, you know, books and programs and things like that. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, the company is just so full now. It's very hard to look at anyone that isn't a certified star and say anything except, well, we'll see because they're in the same position a lot of people in this company are in. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how they just need stars and they don't have them at this point. I don't really... I think Natsumi Maki is someone who could be a star in the company, but you're right. They throw her into this group and basically all five of the people in the group are like potential, you know, wider red belt champions, which is pretty weird in stardom. Like usually you got two or three people at the top of the unit and uh, there's like a big breakdown after that. But uh, Donald Mundo is like just a stacked unit at this point. So I'm not really sure how, how Maki jumps out of that. I agree with you on that. 
and yeah, I don't, I just don't know how to view Mina Shirakawa. I thought she could, I thought she was a little better than, than her push in Tokyo Joshi Pro. I'll be interested to see if they're willing to push her more in stardom, but you're right. There's like this big, uh, morass, uh, in the middle, but at the same time, it, it, it kind of starts to feel Taylor like, I mean, not on the same level, but it kind of starts to feel like when WWE signed like every single person on the indies. And as you said, you know, at some point it's like, wait, how am I going to stand out among all these people? And uh, I'm not sure with a lot of the people who debuted recently. Or I even think about somebody like Shuri, who's like one of my favorite wrestlers in Joshi. But she doesn't really have, I mean, she actually does kind of have a, a wild personality, but I'm not sure she gets to show it too much in the ring. Uh, but a lot of her pre-match promos are very funny. But it's like, how does she really set herself apart from everyone else and become someone who could be a legit, uh, you know, singles champion? And, you know, I worry that uh, even somebody like her could get lost in the shuffle at this point. Yeah, it almost feels like Donna Del Mundo, each member should be part of their own unit. And then you should sort of lift them all up at the same time. And that should sort of be the class of people who are going up against each other to try and get to the top of the card. But now you've made it where, you know, you're going to have to dole out victories and losses in some fashion, unless the group never ever loses to anyone, which would probably get boring after a while because you got to, you know, say, okay, if this person's over here, if these people are in a six person tag, who's taking the fall or who's, getting the pin. Okay. And then these two are teaming together, but who's the stronger member of these two. It's just a lot of, it feels like a, almost like a basketball team where you end up drafting the same position. You're like, well, we just need someone. So let's just get the same. Let's just get the best guy or the best player. And you end up picking, you know, five point guards and then you have five point guards and you have no other position. And you're like, well, we have five good players, but they're all in the same team and they can't play five different positions. So we got to get something else or do something different. It's it's the process era 76ers. Yes. <laughs> They've drafted all bigs uh, and, and nothing else. All right. Uh, okay, but that, that being said, with like everything that's going on in DDM, we see two other, well, we see you know, the disbandment of Tokyo Cyber Squad and some shakeup related to that. Uh, Konami going to Edotai, Kiona uh, to Stars. So what are your thoughts on those two uh, changes? Well, I think I mentioned in the last episode or maybe the episode before that, I thought that Konami would end up in some way in Oedotai because I think Oedotai needs someone like Konami, you know, not a top not the leader of the group, but someone who's strong, who can go out there, who can get victories, who's a credible, uh, who's a credible wrestler, a credible challenger to other people on the roster. So to me that made, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It wasn't obviously going to be death, you know, going to 08 Otai because she's sort of the comedy in the comedy position that Natsu's already in. And then, you know, Kiona, it's 
just doesn't seem very much like her. So it, it seemed like Konami was the obvious choice. And Kiona to stars, I mean, Kiona, as I'll talk about in a little bit, is not important to this company. So just throw her in stars where I'm sure she'll sit in the middle of that group and do pretty much nothing of note um, until she loses her next title challenge in six to eight months. I can feel the despair. Or I can hear the despair. No, there's voice. no despair. There's no despair. It's it's a uh, resignation. I think that's fair. Yeah, it was like I don't know. Was- and when we get into the cards, I'll talk about this more because I have I have a, a bigger point to make, but I'll make it when we get to the actual match. All right. Uh, okay. We can talk about it when we go there. But yeah, the the units are just weird right now. I mean. Oh, it'll tie. They just they add, uh, you know, B and Konami, and it certainly is a huge improvement to the unit. But they still don't have a star. They still don't have um, a, a world title contender. I guess you know B obviously is because she was the red belt champion forever. But it doesn't really feel that way. The fans never really accepted her on that level. Um, it also feels sort of like a group that doesn't have a fully an identity. They have um, Natsuko Tora doing a sort of Oz Academy ripoff um, cosplay sort of thing. But then you have B who comes in and is just sort of doing a classic heel, you know, boom, everyone boomy, ha 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 sort of thing. And, you know, I don't know what Konami's, you know, she's only had one match as part of the group. So you don't know what that's going to be. And then Natsu's just sort of there for, you know, the comedy and to be a body in these bigger matches. So it just feels like a group that is built out of, okay, what pieces do we have? Okay, we have to get them together so that they're a group with enough people in it to do tags, do six-person matches, have singles matches, blah, blah, blah. So it's... Uh, sort of strange, especially considering it's such a legacy group in the promotion that was so strongly defined by so many things, not just the in-ring stuff, but, you know, they had the the dance for many, uh, for a long time, you know, and that was sort of, that sort of informed the type of, you know, people they were and wrestlers they were and characters they were. So it's a bit strange seeing this hodgepodge group thrown together just to keep sort of the name out there. It's kind of interesting how you can tie the, the Bushi road acquisition of stardom to a lot of the, a lot of people leaving the promotion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, who knows exactly why Kagetsu left, but it certainly felt like it was just so close temporally to Hazuki being pushed out of the promotion that it, it felt like it had something to do with that. And, you know, that, Sink Oedo Tai. You know, that like threw Oedo Tai into this uh, Nowhereville, and they've just not been able to get out of it yet. And it, as much as I like Konami, it doesn't feel like she's going to be the one that's just, it's going to bring the, the unit back to relevance. Yeah. And it's also a weird unit in that it's so often been defined by people who are not stardom natives. Um, who sort of came in from the outside. And now that group has sort of become Donna Del Mundo. I mean, that's entirely what that group is. And it almost feels like Donna Del Mundo in many ways, even though they're not that sort of heel, total heel faction that Oedo Tai 
um, is they sort of have the feeling of that more than this new 080 tie, which still feels like trying. I mean, in many ways, it feels like trying to fit um, square pegs in round holes a little bit. And that I don't know that they really develop in the promotion itself people whose skill set is being in a type of group like 080 tie. I don't think it's their focus when they're training them or when they're saying, you know, here's the type of character you should have, or here's how you should act. You're not creating people to, you know, be in this heel group and sort of be nasty and be like, ha ha ha. I'm very evil. They're training people to be like, Oh, I'm bubbly. And I'm going to sell a lot of, you know, two shots and I'm going to sell a lot of programs and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all sort of very interesting and all very odd at the same time. All right, well, let's move into some of the shows or all the shows that have happened since we last recorded, starting with the September 22 show. This had, well, of course, I clicked away from my notes, but I'll just run down the results real quick. Azumi defeated Natsu Sumire. Death Yamasan and Konami defeated Riho and Saya Ida. Himeka and Jungle Kyona went to a time limit draw. The Oedo Tai team of B Priestley, Natsuko Tora, and Saki Kashima defeated the Queen's Quest team of Momo Watanabe, Saya Kamitani, and Utami Hayashishita. And that was building to... Um, no, it wasn't. I was going to say it was building to the Goddesses match, but it wasn't at all. Really, I guess, building to the B Priestley-Momo match for the SWA title. And then the main event was the Artists of Stardom title match. The Dona Del Mondo team of Julia, Micah, and Shuri uh, retained by defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Starlight Kid and Tom Nakano. Did anything from this show stand out to you, Taylor? Um, I like the main event enough. I think that the Julia Tom Nakano stuff over the past, however long it's been going on, has really been one of the highlights of the whole company. I mean, it's been, they've had some great exchanges. They had good exchanges in this match. It's been sort of an exciting feud that's been more exciting than really anything else they've been doing in the company. So I was happy to see that, but no, it felt sort of like a smaller show sort of letting things, you know, rest after the five star, but then also building up to this um, big Yokohama show. So not really too much to say for this one. Yeah. I also liked the main event quite a bit. Uh, The Kyona versus Himika match was a big, let down to me. I, I thought it was good, but I was really looking forward to it going into it. And I just didn't think it met what I wanted it to be. I mean, I was looking forward to it too. And then it came out third and I thought, oh, okay, so this is not going to be, this is <laughs> going to sort of be an opening, you know, it's still sort of in that period of, you know, the, the card before it had death and had, you know, Saida. So it's not like we're at the business end of the card. And, you know, then they went to a time limit draw, which I didn't really care about. Um, so, yeah, it was just sort of a shrug to me. Should also say they announced on this show that the next time they're in Osaka, they're going to be running Osaka 80 on Arena number one. Big place, big place to fill. Yeah, I, I meant to look up before the show what people usually draw there and I didn't uh, but you know it's not like which they were only selling every other seat but it's not like it looked packed in uh, Adion Arena number one here or number two here so number two which is not that which is much much smaller yeah so that uh, it's interesting yeah it's kind of like the same thing about running Corquin twice a month right it's like wait are have we really reached a point where we need to run 
uh, arena number one? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's all part of the same thing where I, I do wonder how much of this was sort of, well, it's already in motion. So let's just go through with it. How much of it is, well, we booked the venue, you know, we booked a venue for this time, so let's just, you know, keep running it, might as well, and see what happens. Um, I don't know how much of it is that, but yeah, and we'll talk about it actually in the upcoming shows. I mean, they are not slowing down. Um, so they are not backing off the, the gas. They are stepping on the gas. They've got a lot of shows coming up. I mean, they had their biggest show on 10-3, and then they run they ran a show the day, right the day after. So, um Certainly no hesitancy, but we'll see what they draw and we'll see if, you know, down the line, maybe in six months, we finally get the effect of, okay, some of these shows are not drawing what they should. So maybe we'll back up a little bit. I mean, New Japan fits 2,600 people in that building. So it's not a, it's not a huge, I haven't been into one. I've been to a show in two, but the building itself is not gigantic. Um, So that, sounds that sounds in the right ballpark i think yeah i mean i'm just kind of flipping through i see a dragon gate show where they put a thousand people in number two and it's like well stardom wasn't coming anywhere close to that so it seems kind of strange but uh here we go so they were also speaking of not filling up the building on 928 they were in corquin hall 407 fans they drew 677 at their last corquin show the five-star final so that's uh, concerning, I'll run down the results. I said this card sucked. I mean, I thought it was fun, but it was just like not what you want if you're really trying to uh, pull out a huge crowd. I don't think they've reached the New Japan level where you can just run shitty cards in New Japan and everybody will come anyway. I mean, in uh, in Corquin, everybody will come anyway. So, Well, I'll also say that if the top three matches on the card really deliver, I think you'll you would probably say, okay, this was a pretty good card. Um, but as we'll talk about, there were some issues there. So it's not a super strong card. I agree with you there, but I think if the top three had really hit the peaks they could have hit, I think it you would have looked at it a little bit differently as a little bit of a stronger card. Yeah, but just on paper, I mean, there's like there's nothing of real consequence on the show. You'd be like, oh, I have to see this show in person. Well, yeah, if the... Uh, Yes. I mean, if the captain's fall match actually means anything, that right. would have made a big difference. Uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, you didn't okay. know that. You didn't know going in that it would, you know, do what would happen would happen. No, I didn't realize they would give us two basically non-finishes uh, in the in the top three matches. Right. So Riho defeated Hanan in the opening match. Uh, do we want to run down every match? Is that what we're doing? Or are we just I don't have that. Overview? I mean, we can. I don't have too much to say about these opening. I mean, Riho at this point seems totally inconsequential to anything happening in stardom at all. I mean, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know why she's here. As we'll talk about shortly, she'd probably be better served just going to Gato Move and wrestling there until she can go back to the United States and be with AEW because she's doing absolutely nothing of any purpose in stardom. I thought Hanan looked good here. I was like, wait, where did this come from? I mean, I think that she's been she's been fairly good. I mean, not in a way that I'm like put her at the top of the card anytime soon, but right. you know, I think that she's had perfectly, you know, good sort of being in the spot of being in the opener. I think that she's been, you know, well served 
to have these matches against a number of people, and she's, you know, acquitted herself fairly well. Uh, B Priestley defeated Saya Kamitani with the Plan B. Uh, really great Saya match. I really like this match quite a bit, actually. Uh, probably about a three and three quarter match. Uh, I think Saya is going to be a big, huge star. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see B back to give Oedo Tai a little bit of juice and, you know, get someone a little bit different in here, you know, which is good. And it was a fun match. I agree with you, and I've sort of said my piece about Saya, which is I think she is going to be a star, but she's in that period where she's got to figure it out. She's got to figure out what the next step is between, wow, she's very young, and she could be pretty good, going into, oh, now she is good, and she's, you know, going up the card or she's a star. Himika and Micah defeated Saya and Starlight Kid. Micah pinned Ida with the Inka Otoshi. Uh, very good, I thought. It was pretty slow at the beginning, but after Kid had her comeback, it really picked up, and they had a good little sprint to the end. So, uh, I mean, four people I like, so it was fun. Yeah, Kid is good. I've said on this, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, fan of Starlight Kid. I think she's got a lot of potential, and she was very good here. Are you starting to see more personality out of Micah or no? I, I feel like she's becoming more charismatic. I don't know that I'm seeing more personality out of her, but I think that she is like, I don't know specifically I'm going, Ooh, more personality, but I think it, <laughs> I do see ev- the whole sort of thing coming together more and more each match that I see. I'm like, Oh, this is more like a fully formed wrestler that could be, you know, that could be good or could be, you know, could be at the top of the card or things like that. You know, it's it's always hard because a lot of that personality is defined in those sort of opening video promos that they do, which are often sort of off the cuff and, you know, not all that consequential because they're like, oh, here's who we're wrestling. Oh, it's going to be good. Goodbye. Um, but she's definitely improving it seems at a greater rate than she was probably a month or two ago, which to me is a good sign. The original unit disband match, uh, TCS defeated Oedo Tai because Natsuko got disqualified for doing uh, the hanging thing that she does in just about every match. After the match, Kyona was mad. Uh, she wants a no rules match at Yokohama. And as you know, in this match, only if TCS lost would they have to disband. But in the Yokohama match, Whoever loses must disband. Okay, so this, I hated this. This was awful. It was terrible. (laughs) Here's the thing. And I feel like we've talked about Jungle Kiona on this show before. We've talked about how she is not a star. She will never be a star in stardom. And I think I have talked to people because people have responded. They've, you know, responded to us and said, well, you know, X, Y, and Z, and we've had very good debates. And I think a lot of people focus on, well, if she just wins, if she wins, you know, one day she might win and then she'll be a star because she'll have a title and she'll be a star. But it's matches like this and it's sort of storylines like this that are are the definition to me of of who Jungle Kiona is to stardom. They're having a match where if... Tokyo Cyber Squad loses. They have to disband. And uh, Oedo Tai blatantly cheats 
in front of the referee directly, it actually took longer to disqualify them than I thought it should when B came directly in the ring in front of the referee and started kicking people. I said, well, that should be the DQ right there, and it took about two or three more minutes for the DQ. So then, so guess what? Tokyo Cyber Squad won the match. They won by disqualification. You survived. You made it out, and you didn't have to disband. And Jungle Kiona gets on the mic and says, why don't we have another match where we'll be under threat of disbanding, but this time we'll play right into your hands and we'll say it's no rules. So guess what? We'll give you even more of an advantage than you already have because that's the thing that you like to do is interfere in all your matches. So we'll make it easier for you to interfere in the next match we have. And also we'll, we'll volunteer to maybe disband again. Who cares? Because frankly, we're all a bunch of geeks. So who cares? I'll, I'll give it up because I'm very mad. So, you know, and I'm the, I'm the good guy or, or the, I'm the baby face in this feud. So I'm very honorable. So I'm going to say, we're going to do it. No rules. We're going to do it your style. And of course they walk into the next match and they lose. Now, look, I get it's the storyline. I get the Tokyo cyber squad was going to be disbanded because of everything that's happened. And they were, you know, that was the end point of this feud, but why not just have this one match and say, go out there and have a great match and try and impress the fans and not say, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll do a little DQ finish, and then we'll just run the match again at the at the next show. It makes Jungle Kiona look like an idiot. Why would you say any of that? You should stand in the middle of the ring and say, guess what? We don't have to disband because we won the match because you were stupid enough to get yourself disqualified, and we won't wrestle you again, and we're going to stay together as a unit, and the next time we face you, we're going to kick your ass. It makes no sense to me, and it makes her look so stupid. And that's the defining characteristic of Jungle Kiona in Stardom, is she's sort of this mushy, do-gooder baby face who's useless. And it doesn't have to do with how many, you know, obviously it doesn't help that she can never win a singles match to save her life. But if she wins a match, she's still that stupid person who goes, well, let's face you again, but this time we'll give you even more of an advantage. It just drove me insane to watch this match. Okay, I'm going to clip where you said Jungle Kiona is a do-gooder baby face who is useless. And we will get so many fucking listens. I'm just posting that on Twitter. I cannot wait for it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thank you. Um, I mean, I have to agree. It's, it's, it was dumb. It seemed dumb. And I agree with you. It You can't. I have a huge disagreement with people generally about like heating people up. You cannot heat Kiona up at this point. Her winning a match would not change it. It would be it would have to be a long rehabilitation project for any fan to believe in her. So, no, I I said before the five star that if she won the five star and then beat Mayu for the title, she could still be a star. If that did not happen, it was over for Kiona. And now she just is a second, third fiddle in stars. And that's how she will live out the rest of her days, I would imagine. And it's it's just one of these things where it's like, what her whole career is that sort of, you know, she had Jungle Assault Nation. That was sort of comedically 
people were like, well, this unit is so terrible. Of course, they're going to disband. And then they did disband. And the whole roster was like, well, yeah. Even the wrestlers were like, well, yeah, that was terrible. She got turned on by, you know, the other prominent member of the group who is now in a more prominent position than she is in the company. She never really got any sort of comeuppance on that. And she continues to get taunted by this person who's like, hey, guess what? You're a loser. That's the other thing that doesn't help is they think it's this brilliant storyline to have people walk around and be like, hey, Jungle Kiona, what a loser, and then get no comeuppance, as if we're like, oh, um, oh, so she is a, she is a loser? Because <laughs> you called her a loser and then you beat her. So you're right um, about that. So <laughs> it's just weird, and it's this... I don't know if they're operating on this thing where it's like, well, Jungle's the baby face and she has to... You know, she wants the clean victory, but that feels like such a 1981 thing to say. You got the victory. You beat them by disqualification. You should say to them, you made a mistake. And guess what? Your your cheating tactics finally backfired on you, which once again, Aaron, now that you said it, I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, Tokyo Cyber Squad is getting attacked and there's no one. There's no one. It's like, oh, here they are. It's five on three. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's that's life. Um, so it just, it it absolutely drove me insane. Yeah, it was a, a bad story, poorly told. So thus is the way that uh, Jungle Kiona's career goes. So speaking of favorites of ours who um, who suck now, uh, Team Marvelous versus Team Queen's Quest. The actual lineup was... I just wrote Marvelous versus Queen's Quest, so that was... Bad. Oh, you want me to say it? Was, it? I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. it. Takami Aroha, Rin Karokura, and Meiho Suzuki versus Momo Watanabe, Utami Hayashishita, and Azumi. Uh, Hoshizuki gets the win. She pinned Azumi, rolled through after an Utami clothesline Azumi was holding her in a backslide Utami clotheslined her and Hoshizuki rolled through and got the pinfall um the big thing you know just following on that last segment the big thing I took away was that this is the first time I've ever noticed this they announced Utami last rather than Momo so the uh the coup is complete Momo has been dethroned and uh Momo go to seedling I guess is all I can say in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, 
it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arenaclub.com slash vow net arenaclub.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network um well i'll say about i'm i'm about to do a, a wild 180 here um from the last match i thought this match was amazing Thought it was easily one of the best matches in stardom this year, um, which it's a slightly concerning to me that when you look back on the year that probably the two top match, if not the two top matches, two of the top matches in the entire company will largely feature people who don't wrestle for them or don't wrestle for them anymore. Uh, the other being that big uh, Kagetsu tag back in February. January that was really really great obviously could get to not around anymore and obviously half of this team wrestles for an entirely different promotion um I thought it was really good I mean I'll say this about Momo obviously not in the position she once was but if she wants to go off and have these type of matches with these marvelous wrestlers for the next six months please do because they'd have great matches and I would enjoy them (laughs) Um, I just think it's great. If you haven't seen Marvelous before, I think it was a really strong introduction. Um, glad to have Aroha back, who is, you know, in all truth, is the type of person that stardom should be trying to sign instead of all these mid-carders because she is a star who's an incredible wrestler and can go in the ring and have really exciting matches like this one. I think the result, as you said, was super fun, totally unexpected. I'm sure that 95% of people going into the match thought Hoshizuki as the uh, sort of youngest, the rookie of the group would take the pinfall. And they've set up a lot of exciting directions with these group, with this group of six wrestlers. So I thought it was great. I went four and a half stars. I thought it was really, really good. Wow. You were very high on it. I wasn't that high on it, although I did really like it. Um, I thought it was, Really funny that like Iroha got a big reaction when she tagged in and it seemed to like catch her off guard that she was like, oh, this is nice. You know, the people are very excited to see me tag in here. So that was fun. I loved when they set up after the match and Azumi 
well, they kind of set up after the match, an Azumi Hoshizuki match. I'm not exactly sure what they set up. Um, but that's exciting because it's like, oh, Azumi gets to get in there with somebody. You know, Azumi really doesn't get to face a lot of people who are good at the uh, proto high speed style that Stardom does. So it's pretty exciting to see her get in there with someone who is really good at that style. Uh, Momo versus Aroha, I'm, I'm pumped for that. Mayu versus Aroha, I'm pumped for that. So this match, not only was it the best match on the show, but it did the best job of setting up other things that I'm excited for. Yeah, and I think if, you know, I don't know what the end point of this storyline or this, you know, union is. It seems like in the past it's been like they have one or two matches and then they go away for six months. But if I were marvelous, I mean, this is a perfect case scenario. You get good you've got good wrestlers, you bring them in, you have good matches. And I think everyone, all three of them are going to come out looking better than they came in. I don't know if that's the same as the case for stardom, but that Meho Shizuki Azumi match could be very, very good. It's a good styles mesh. I think Hoshizuki is in the entire world of wrestling, criminally underrated, um, partially based on the fact that she's still technically a, a rookie but I think that could be a really good match. Um, and the matches you mentioned, of course, I think will be excellent. So this is sort of the direction of the promotion that I'm most excited to see what happens next. Yes, I agree. And maybe Momo will just do like um, Yoshitatsu and just like she goes to Marvelous, but then just never comes back. So one can dream. Um, after the match, Iroha says she wants Mayu before Utami gets her shot at Mayu. And Utami, for whatever reason, agrees to that. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get Iroha Mayu next. And then whoever when you know, whoever ends up with the red belt at the end, Utami is going to face. Uh, and then, yeah, the Azumi May thing was like Azumi challenged May. Uh, May says that's OK with her, but she wants to form a tag team. And this, I mean, I'm sure they talked about this already, but Azumi plays it as if she'd never heard this idea before and says, well, Rasti and uh, Chigusa Nagaya are going to have to agree to that. So I'm not saying anything. And then May, uh, after being, uh, you know, getting the suggestion from Iroha, uh, bows to Rossi, which I just thought was very funny. <laughs> but maybe is that going to be a, a goddess's uh, tag league team? Oh, it could. I didn't even think about it. I I wasn't even thinking about that. I guess I guess it could be. And actually I'm thinking, I know I think the I think the border of when um the marvelous rookies become actual not actual wrestlers, but get, you know, non rookie gear, I think is at their two year, and I think May's two year is coming up soon. Maybe it's maybe it's after the goddess, but I was like, oh, that would be interesting if she got the new gear and then did goddesses as sort of the first thing of, hey, now I'm not a rookie anymore and I'm going to wrestle with, you know, Azumi and I think that they would make an excellent team. So that is quite possible. If you're tired of hearing us uh, go on forever about stardom at the start of these shows. I bet we don't talk as much stardom during the goddesses tag league. <laughs> Just a guess. Uh, the main event, Mayu Watani and Tom Nakano against uh, Julia and Shuri. This was a double prelude match. And uh, I guess I should have seen this. It went to a draw. I couldn't figure out why it was starting so slow. Then I realized 
finally at about 20 minutes in that it was going to be a draw and uh, just wanted it to end at that point. I did not like this at all. Yeah, I had the same thing where I figured out it was going to a draw partway in and I was like, okay. Um, once again, I liked the Julia Tom um, interactions, not enough to fill a half an hour of time. I got worried when I opened the, cause I had watched a few matches before they uploaded everything enough that I didn't want to have to go through the complete show video and go scrolling through back and forth. And the main event video file was 48 minutes long. And I was thinking, well, this is, how can this be right? Do they talk for like 25 minutes after the match? That can't be. Um, And then it turned into a half an hour match uh, time limit draw. So certainly not a match that if you were trying to interest people in, Ooh, come check out these matches on 10, three. I'm not sure that that would have been the trick to get someone in the building. Yes, I I tend to agree. Uh, Let's move in. And we'll kind of quickly, because we haven't seen these shows yet, talk about the 10-3 and 10-4 shows. 10-3 was the big show in uh, Yokohama Budokan. They announced 1,007 people in the building for that match. Uh, if you haven't seen this and you want to avoid spoilers, you know, skip ahead a few minutes, I would guess. At this point, high-speed title match, Azumi defeated Starlight Kid. Uh, Mina Shirakawa defeated Hanan. Riho and Saya Ida defeated Natsu Sumire and Manase. Natsupoi defeated Death Yamasan uh, for the SWA Undisputed World Women's title. B Priestley defeated Momo Watanabe as we predicted because there was really no other way that could go. Uh, TCS lost the unit disband. No disqualification tag team match. The Goddesses titles. Uh, Saya Kamitani and Utami Hayashishita retained, defeated Himika and Mika. The white belt, Julia defeated Tom, and the red belt, Mayu defeated Shuri. So they finished this off with three title matches and all the champions retained. <laughs> and it feels like the entire show is, is, if you had to guess, if we would have taken bets before looking at the card, I think we could have predicted every single match. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they were really none of those to me were in much question well and all the champions won except for technically momo but she was not the champion it was a vacant title yeah oh yes so so i mean i guess that title changed the champion didn't retain because there was no champion well yeah jamie was the champion uh previously so yeah but every champion who came in with the title retained and it's like okay so we we blew off a Corquin show. I mean, and they drew a big house for this, so I guess it worked unless you, uh, you know, scared off viewer or uh, fans by not doing anything of note on the show. And I'm sure there's a lot of good matches on this show. We haven't gotten to watch it yet, but kind of a bummer that uh, nothing happened. Well, and here's the other thing, I guess, that I'm that I'm also thinking is that we've talked, you know, I'll keep this very short. We've talked so much about we're trying to get people from the mid card up to the top. This type of card and these type of results tell me that they think that they've already got them. They're like, well, we've already got the stars at the top because we're not going to change any titles. So it just seems sort of like, a, oh, we're working towards making these people into stars, but we don't have anyone who's going to win a title to become a star because we think, you know, I don't know. It's just all, 
It's all very strange. It's all very strange. I keep saying it's all very strange, but it is all very strange to me. <laughs> it is all very strange. I, I can't disagree with that. I'm interested to see what it looks like. I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I think we will just continue talking about this, that they have to make some stars. And they didn't do any of that in this cycle. So we'll see what comes next. Um, nothing really of note on the 10-4 the show in Nagoya. Uh, Sayaida defeated Hanan. Uh, Konami and Saki Kashima, what a team, defeated Riho and Starlight Kid. Remember that Saki Kashima was the first person to pin Julia? I do remember that. What was that about? Why did that happen? Aaron, why didn't you bring this up last week when I or last episode when I was talking about what the hell they were doing with Saki? I don't know, it, but she she is she was the first person to pin Julia in the whole promotion. Insane. Insane. And now she's, you know, useless. I don't know, maybe she got the pinfall on Rio here. I doubt it. Um uh, Tom Nakano defeated Mina Shirakawa and then asked her to team with her for Tag League. Love to just debut somebody by beating them. I mean, not debut. It was her second show, I guess. And then be like, I beat you. You want to be in a team with me? Hey, cool. you're, you're, you're not as good as I am. <laughs> want to team right. together? Yeah. Sure. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, B. Priestley and Natsuko Tora defeated Jungle Kiona and Mayu Iwatani. And then Mayu asked Kiona to join Stars. Kiona had to take the pinfall here, right? I mean, Mayu didn't take the pinfall. I'm so, sure she did. What a time. So they did the same thing two matches in a row where the loser then got asked to, you know, team up. But also it's like, wow, Jungle Kiona has been through an earth-shattering moment. Her unit has been disbanded. She's totally alone. Wow, she's a baby face. She's a valiant baby face. Maybe she'll, nope, she's just going to come out and lose on the next show. She has real like give her a win. Give her a win against someone. Yeah. No. She probably got I don't know, maybe B pinned her, but she probably got pinned by Natsuko just to really, you know, drive that stake in a little I'm deeper. Sure you've did. like you've talked me out of stardom on this episode. I was like, I was not down on anything coming into this. And I'm like, now I'm like, what's going on here? Why why is this happening? The book it's just the in- the entirety of the booking and everything around the booking. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, I just don't understand. And I don't know whether it's, you know, I think the whole thing was they said Rossi's going to keep booking, even though Bushi Road, you know, now owns the promotion. Is, is he still booking and he just sort of is, you know, losing his touch a little bit? Or is it that Bushi Road's coming and going, okay, you can book, but we want X, Y, and Z to happen, and we want X, Y, and Z to be up the card and X, Y, and Z to be down the card. And because that's not his thoughts, he doesn't know how to book it logically. Well, have you seen him at the shows? The guy's probably got COVID because every time they show him, he's got the damn mask under his chin. (laughs) So his brain's probably fried. It's also one of these things where for so long it felt like you know, and now we're talking, which is hard to believe years ago, you know, with EO and Kyrie Hojo, you know, they had, they had these great wrestlers where if they had a misstep in the booking, you could sort of cover it up and be like, Oh, EO, uh, go out there and have like a four and a half star match, uh, in the main event of a Corican. And she could go out and do it. And now they don't have that defense. And also at the same time, 
a lot of these other Joshi promotions that were sort of hanging around or maybe, you know, four years ago, Seedling was essentially a vanity promotion that was running sort of bizarre, you know, Nanai Takahashi against Veda Scott in the main event. And now it's a promotion with a big star in it in Yoshiko. You know, we don't know if it's translated to being a big star in wrestling, but she's a big star somewhere. I mean, they're having exciting matches. You know, they brought in Seri to have these matches with Yoshiko. So other promotions are also catching up with them. So the margin for error in saying, well, this isn't great, but, you know, they're still above what other people are doing is shrinking rapidly very quickly. Yeah, I don't have a four and a half star match in stardom all year long. I feel like they really can't. They really can't just, I mean, they have Mayu. I feel like there's nobody they can just throw Mayu out there with and be like, boom, go out there and kill it. And it and it's going to deliver for sure. They just, they don't have that right. I mean, if they want to do it with Momo, they could. Well, yeah, the, that's... the two people who are capable of it, I think, are Momo and Jungle. And the promotion has <laughs> told us that they're not the people who are going to be in those main events. Right. So, so. it's like, great. You, if if you don't want them in the main events, then your main events are for a while until you get someone up there who can are going to suffer. Yes, it's true. Uh, you know, and right after they like debut somebody new in Dona Del Mundo, that's clearly the thing they're going with. The main event of this show, elimination match, Queen's Quest, Ozmi, Momo, Saya, Utami defeated the Dona Del Mundo team of Julia, Himeka, Micah, Natspoi where the final two were Saya and Natspoi, and Saya won. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't, I, you know. And, you know, we have the Goddess Tag Tournament coming up, so we're not going to really get any clarity on what the heck is going on no, for, basically a, for not, a while, for until yeah. next year probably at some point. Well, like the year-end show, year-end climax. Yeah. You know, they'll do something there, but. That'll basically be it. Okay, well, that's stardom. That's an hour of stardom talk. Um, we got some some news here. Uh, Manami Katsu and Marimanji are leaving Pure J and going freelance. Yeah, a bit strange. They were uh, one half of the Pure J match at Assemble. Uh, so a bit odd to see them uh, going freelance. And as with all of these people seemingly going freelance all the time, we'll have to see what happens. There are two people I don't know that stardom would bring in, but I've thought that about a lot of people now that stardom has decided uh, they have room on their roster for. Uh, speaking of Himawari Unagi is leaving Tokyo Joshi pro. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess she would fit in stardom, but what on earth would she do? Yeah, I don't know. And also with Tokyo Joshi, they are really, you know, I know that they, I think the someone said, I don't remember who, uh, it might have been Akito, mentioned that, you know, things had been a little bit tougher with money, you know, now that they, during a period, they weren't running shows. So I think some of this is just sort of, they have a big, big roster in Tokyo Joshi. And some of this may just be, well, we're going to ride it out with the people who are under contract now and, you know, see what happens instead of people saying, well, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's weird, man. They're like just getting rid of people, just shedding people and not just 
you know, it's one thing when you have roster bloat and you just kind of get rid of some people who are stuck at the bottom or the middle, but these are like, I mean, Onaki is someone who was on the come up for sure. You know, they, Natsumi Maki was toward the top of the card, really. And I guess it's just that maybe these were the people who had their uh, contracts come up at this time. But it does make you concerned for like, well, who's going to leave Tokyo Joshi Pro next? Yeah, how many more people could they end up saying, well, no thanks. And then maybe they're they're going, you know, well, we're going to ride with a lot of these young wrestlers who have had to fight to get on cards and get spots. And now it's maybe a little bit more cleared up and maybe they're thinking, well, we can get some of these younger wrestlers on the roster. They're cheaper. I mean, I would imagine they're cheaper pay than a longer tenured wrestler. And we'll see what we have um, with, you know, some of these younger wrestlers and see if it works out. And maybe after a while, when they start making good money again, maybe people come back or maybe they sign some other people. To the promotion, we'll have to see. I really thought we were going to see this Joshi war between Bushiroad and Cyber Agent, but that just has not played out whatsoever. No, and and Cyber Agent, frankly, doesn't even feel... It sometimes doesn't even feel like they're part of the same scene with some of these other promotions. They just so feel... They're just like, we're just chugging along, we're doing our thing, we're we're doing what we have to do, and that's what we're going to do, and we're not really going to pay attention. I mean, they're obviously not part of Assemble, they're not doing any of that stuff, so they're just sort of content to be off doing their own thing and whatever they need to do to, you know, run these shows. And we'll close it off with uh, kind of a weird news note. Kyrie Hojo, a.k.a. Kyrie Sane, posted on Instagram that she's back in Japan, but she's still going to be supporting WWE. It, it feels like maybe, I mean, the, the original report was that they would basically just let her go back to Japan and, and work out her contract. At the time, I kind of thought that might be related to NXT Japan, but that doesn't seem to uh, exist or doesn't seem like it's going to come to fruition. So I guess she's just like living out the rest of her contract, uh, but she's just kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, and you figure if she was going to come back and immediately work somewhere, she probably would have been on that Stardom uh, Yokohama show. So maybe she just does go back to Japan and, you know, lives her life. Maybe, I, you know. I don't know. It would be disappointing because obviously it would be exciting to have her back somewhere in Joshi. But, you know, you can't control... You know, maybe it's time and she says, I've wrestled for long enough. That's just sort of the Joshi... That's the element of Joshi's surprise. You never know when these people will retire or, you know, go to WWE or, you know, you might not see them again. So certainly it's possible, but something to keep an eye on, but seems at least for the time, like she's not going to be popping up tomorrow anywhere. No, but I still think she'll be back. I mean, she went to the Yokohama show, right? The Stardom Yokohama show. Uh, well, pic- yeah, they had, with Rossi. you know. Yeah, they had uh, Yusuke Aikawa was also on the pay-per-view, the Japanese pay-per-view commentary. So I don't know if maybe some of that was like, hey, you're a former, you know, you wrestled in stardom, come check out the show. You know, I don't know if there's any smoke there or if it was just sort of a, you know, an olive branch to say, oh, now you're back in Japan, come check it out, say hi, and, you know, we'll see. Yes, we will. Okay, 
Let's get into some of the other shows. I think the major one, uh, you wrote the big preview on Voices of Wrestling about the Assemble show, which was very good, by the way, Taylor. I really enjoyed it. So uh, if you haven't watched this show yet, definitely go read Taylor's preview first. It's got great info on literally every person who's on this show and contextualizes them within their promotion and, frankly, contextualizes the promotion within Joshi. So I think it's uh, definitely worth checking out. And if you're someone who hasn't watched a lot of promotions, um, you, I think you were right in your preview, Taylor, that this would kind of give you a sense of each of the promotions. And uh, I think it did that. So what, what were your thoughts on Assemble? Do you want to run down the whole show or how do you want to do this? Yeah, I'll just sort of go quickly through everything. But yeah, I think it was, you know, I can't sit here and go, it was a blowaway show. It was a match of, or show of the year contender. It was amazing. The best show I've seen. But I think it was a really strong, I think it was a, a very strong show. And I think it was a great show where if you didn't know some of these promotions, or you, even if you didn't know any of these promotions, it would give you a good sense of the style of each of the promotions. You know, they did a blind um, pick for match order at the beginning of the show, um, which I don't know, maybe that was a worked draw. It didn't appear to be um, from people's reactions, but it certainly could have been. But I was so surprised in that the way it was laid out, it did a really good job of sort of giving you different styles in different, you know, it wasn't like the first three matches on the card were all sort of one style. And then the second three were a different style. You know, obviously you have something like Oz Academy, which is very different than anyone else. But I just thought it was overall um, a very strong showing the opener um, right off the bat, which was a freelancers match. I thought was really the best way to start the show with a lot of super talented people. I mean, the Oscar Seri exchanges were a highlight of the match, if not a highlight of the whole show. I mean, Oscar at one point was taking suplexes, looking like she was trying to um, injure herself, taking them on her neck. It was really crazy, but it was fast-paced. It was really fun. I mean, I have said on the show, I like Oz Academy. I think it was fun seeing them in that situation. Um, sort of in a different situation than just sort of being on their usual Oz Academy shows. I actually thought the Sendai Girls, I've been very tough on Sendai Girls on the show, and I will be uh, coming up very shortly. But I thought that they had a very strong match. Um, the seedling match was good too. And then the main event, I was happy to see uh, Marvelous in the main event. I said in my preview that I thought it could be the match of the night. I thought it got pretty close to the freelancers match. I ended up going four stars. Thought it was really fun. It was great to see Rin uh, and Mio back. You could sort of tell with, with them that they're still a little bit. I mean, Rin was out for 15 months. Um, so there's still a little bit of ring rust there. But I thought once that match got going, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And I just thought the whole show had just sort of a fun vibe to it. Um, being at Ueno Park, which I think is a really cool, fun venue, being outside. The crowd, um, I didn't see an attendance number, but it looked pretty full to me. And I think the full attendance in that venue is a 1,000 or something. I might totally be wrong on that. But it was full. They gave them these sort of clapper, um, handheld clappers that they could use to make sound. So there was sort of a constant 
sound to the show, which was really good and gave it a really fun energy. They announced that they're doing another show at Ueno Park uh, on November 20th. So I'll be interested to see. This was a good introduction to these different promotions. It was sort of a good taster of, oh, here's all these different styles of promotions. You know, will they start mixing them up? I know the big thing in the first show was they wanted to keep the promotion separate to prevent any COVID outbreaks. It's certainly possible that in only a month and a half that they may feel the same way. But it will be interesting to see now they have a show under their belt. What do they do for the next show where they're now having to draw fans with more than just, hey, come check out this sort of interesting new thing. What do they do? Do they start doing having some storylines with some of these people? Do they bring in, does Ice Ribbon or Stardom or Wave participate for the next show? But overall, I think an excellent show. For both people who like Joshi and people who are new to Joshi, I think for both sets of people, you can find something to enjoy, something to learn about if you're new, or wrestlers that you like. Uh, if you know about Joshi, that you can come in and enjoy all in one place. Um, the the show really flew by for me. It went very quick. So a lot of fun and highly recommended. I really loved this freelancer match. And... I started to look back at it, and I don't think – maybe I'm wrong about this, and maybe Cage Match is wrong about this. But I couldn't find any evidence of a previous match that featured Sari and Asuka. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I don't think there is one, which, you know, this was very exciting. But, yeah, I'm trying to think where they even would have – I don't know where they even would have crossed paths. So it was exciting. And this whole sort of T-Hearts thing, I don't know what's going to become of that. But, you know, this was a group of six people who I think, I mean, they put on an exciting match. And I'm like, well, I'm excited to see where this T-Hearts thing goes because this was really, really good and a lot of fun. Had a very sort of simple but good, you know, we're the good guys, you know, we're the faces, we're the heels. It was very easy to follow along with. I mean, Asuka makes sort of for a great sort of bratty heel, you know, sort of stuck up cocky. Um, so going up against the babyface theme, I thought she was really great. I've said it over and over, but I think that she's a superstar. I said it in my preview. I think the craziest thing about her being in this match is that she hasn't, that she is a freelancer and someone has not come to her and say, please sign with our company and we'll give you a lot of money because she is... She's got everything I think you need to be a star. Also, after the match, uh, you had Hota and Saki Akai dancing, and that was – I probably bumped it up another quarter star just for that. Yes, to the not-muted uh, Beyonce uh, who runs the world, <laughs> which is usually muted on most things Asuka appears on. So it's always um, exciting to hear her, hear her themes because she uses that and she uses um, – Billie Eilish's um, Bad Girl, which is also often muted. So it's always exciting to hear Asuka's unmuted themes on these shows. All right, let's go into the Spark Notes section of the show where we kind of uh, look at shows in brief and just kind of quickly hit the the main points of them. Uh, we can start with the Seedling show on 924. Let's fall in love with D. Uh, I guess, yeah. first of all, do you think that... I mean, do they know, like, the, the bit? Is it a bit here? 
I think they do. I think they do know the bit because I think the whole name of the promotion is sort of was sort of the beginning of the bit. So I think that they maybe they don't fully grasp it, but I think that they do get. They get that Westerners think it's funny. They understand it, I think, to a point. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess the big match here was the Yoshiko uh, Sari main event, or that was the, the biggest match promoted on the show. Yeah, that was the main event. It was the second match. They had had the um, non-title match that Sari had won. Um, Seedling posted that on their YouTube, but it was clipped, and it had music underneath it, which I found uh, to be a strange decision. But this one was not clipped and didn't have music un- under it, and I really enjoyed it. I went in with super high expectations. It didn't quite meet those expectations, but I went four and a fourth. I thought it was really great. Um, hard hitting, as you would expect from these two wrestlers. And as I said last time, I'm just happy. Um, I don't know when she's leaving, if she's leaving, uh, what that date would be. But I'm happy to have Sari back in Joshi for however long we get her. Uh, because I think that she puts on great matches. I mean, she was in that freelancer's Match at Assemble, which was great. She was in this. I thought this was great. So overall, worth checking out that match. That show is on Nico Pro. Yeah, I also liked the tag match, Miyuki Takase and Riko Kaiju versus Asuka and Makoto. And uh, the six-person match, Ayame Sasamura, Hiroyo Matsumoto, and Yu versus Arisa Nakajima, Tsukasa Fujiboto, Rina Yamashita. Um, that was a... That was a match where the first 10 minutes, I thought, oh, this is the best match on the show, and it's like a four-and-a-quarter star match. And then uh, it really slowed down. They did, like, the sprint first and then slowed it down toward the end. Yeah, Um, I know exactly what you're talking about because there was one point I went, oh, they're going to the finish, they're going to the finish, and they didn't go to the finish, and then there was, like, 15 more minutes of the match. Right. I was like, okay, this was a great match. It started out, and then it... Slowed down. So I guess I probably wouldn't recommend people go watch that. Maybe turn it off after 10 minutes. Yes, but Seedling also had a show on October 3rd. It hasn't made tape yet, um, but the big match on that one was Best Friends against Yoshiko and Hiroyo Matsumoto for the Beyond the Sea tag titles. Um, Fingers crossed that that makes tape unclipped somewhere um, because I think, obviously, I think this is Best Friends' first beyond the sea title reign which seems crazy to me as one of the if not the premier uh joshi tag team around um but i'm hoping that makes tape because i'm sure that that was a great match uh next up choco pro they've had i think at least two shows since we last ran uh 53 i think had the the riho return match which was well, no, I think 50, because I think they've done four, because they just finished. Season three just ended, and season three ending was 54. Okay. So I think that was either 50. I That was 50, because it was the big 50th. It was like the 50th show, which is hard oh, to yeah. believe that they've run 50 shows in the last yes. uh, however many months. And they did Team AEW against Team Choco Pro. <laughs> so uh, it was that was a great match. Yeah, I thought that was a really fun match. I was glad to have Riho back uh, in Choco Pro, not wasting away in stardom. But yeah, fun. There was, I think momentarily this this week, 
where Emmy got taken off the AEW roster page. Uh, and there was some concern about that, but I think she was back on and they just wished her happy birthday yesterday as uh, say happy birthday to AEW roster member Emmy Sakura. So it looks like she's not gone quite yet. Um, but that was really fun. The Riho match. They had a uh, Mesuruga Rio Mizunami Falls Count Anywhere match on 53. That's one that's definitely worth checking out. I think it's a great combination of sort of the goofiness that Chaco Pro sometimes has, but along with being a very exciting match, they end up actually outside of Ichigawa uh, Chocolate Square, sort of wrestling in the residential area of um, that building. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. They do a lot of crazy things and it's worth checking out. It's the only match on that show. So you can just go in, watch that one match and be done. But they end, they came to the end of season three with um, episode 54, but they've said that they will be back. It hasn't been officially announced yet when they'll be back, but they said that they will continue running for many more seasons. So that's exciting to hear. Ice Ribbon had the big Yokohama Ribbon 2020 show, but that has not made tape yet, right? I think it might be on the Ice Ribbon Nico channel, but I have not seen it yet. Okay. I guess the big news, or a big news, was Saori Ano debuting at this show against Tsukasa Fujimoto. Yeah, she debuted. She's going to be around not as sort of an official member, but in the way that some of the people in Ice Ribbon are like Rina Yamashita, where they come around quite often, but they're not official roster members. I think that's a great um, pickup for Ice Ribbon. She's um, a great wrestler who I enjoy watching. So uh, good, good for Ice Ribbon. They also had uh, Haruki Umasaki come out at the end of the show and challenge Suzu Suzuki for the title at their upcoming Corican, which is, a, which is at the end of this month. Um, and I think that will be a great match as I'll talk about in a few minutes. I think Umasaki's had a great few weeks and I think she's improving rapidly and is someone to keep an eye on. And this could certainly be the thing that kicks her up to the next level. If she and Suzu have a great match, which I think that they're more than capable of having. Uh, Frank Sessions retained the tag titles over Risa Seda and Suzu Suzuki. Ram Kaicho retained the Triangle Ribbon title. I think that's everything from that Ice Ribbon show. Um, the Sendai Girls Rookie Tournament uh, is over. Meiho Suzuki wins. Yeah, good a good pick. As I talked about, I think she's been very underrated, and I was excited to see her win the title or win the tournament because I think that she is a excellent pick. Uh, Sendai also had a show on October 4th where uh, Chihiro Hashimoto and you won the tag team titles from Dash Chizako and Hiroyo Matsumoto. Uh, this is in the in the notes I've written. This is funny to me because on my preview of Assemble, um, if you read through that, I did take time to talk about sort of the underserving of Dash Chizako by Sendai Girls. Uh, she's never held a singles title there. She had, she and Matsumoto had held the tag titles for something like 355 days or something like that. This was their first defense or their second defense, and they lost the titles. 
In fact, I don't think anyone in Sendai has def- successfully defended the tag titles more than two times since 2017. Um, so this goes hand in hand with what I said last time, which is I don't understand this booking. Why is this happening? Um, you have a very talented team with the tag titles, and but it seems like every time this happens, they lose the tag titles. It's just sort of a hot potato. It's a hot potato sort of company, unfortunately. Uh, Diana, you were talking about Haruka Umasaki, uh, nine twenty-seven. She had a match against Sari and ten four against Madeline. Yeah, two great matches. I thought that they were a lot of fun. I recommend everyone go check out those Diana shows. They're on their YouTube, and the shows themselves in total, um, if you just let it play, are both under an hour long. So they're really easy to get through. And in fact, the first five minutes or so is usually them you know, cleaning the ring or getting ready for the show so you can skip through and probably get through both shows combined in about an hour and a half. But I just think... You know, obviously having a match with Seri, it's a lot easier to have a great match. But I also thought um, Haruka Umisaki versus Madeline from the 10-4 show was really strong. It's really fun between two younger wrestlers. I thought it really stood out and it's worth, um, to me, it's not a, you know, match of the year type of match. But, you know, if you like Umisaki or you like Madeline, worth going out of your way to check out because it's super fun and, you know, easy to get in and get out. And, you know, get some Diana. I always feel Diana was such a mythical company for me so many years ago because they never made tape. And now they make tape almost every week at this point. And I just want to spread the gospel so I can keep keep seeing them. Tokyo Joshi Pro 921. They had the B-Stars versus Daydream match. And then 10-3, the Bakuretsu sisters, number one contenders uh, for the tag team titles. Yeah, so a lot of stuff going on in Tokyo Joshi for the tag team titles. Of course, they're getting ready for their big, their biggest show in company history at the start of November, um, which is sort of an interesting um, companion point to the fact that, as we talked about a few minutes ago, they're they're letting go all these people. So it will be interesting to see, sort of once all of this settles, what that final card looks like if it turns out they're going to sort of ride ride or die with their, you know, their proven talents, if that's what they're going to do in order to, you know, save a little bit of money and hopefully draw fans. But uh, we will, we'll see. And then we have uh, Oz Academy, I think is the last, the last note here left. Uh, October 4. And well, that's the only show, right? Yeah, October 4. Yeah, October, October 4th. Yep. Yeah, October 4th, they did a mini, um, well, they didn't finish the tournament. They did the first round of a mini tournament to decide who will um, be the next tag team number one contender. Uh, It ended up being the winner of the two matches was the other half of Mission K4, of course. The first half of Mission K4 currently holds the titles. So the other half is Kaho Kobayashi and Sakaguchi. And they will be going up against Sekigun, the team of Mayumi Ozaki and Sayori Ono, who appeared on the Assemble show together. So that should be a fun match. I'm actually hoping that that 10-4 show makes tape because it seems like those matches would be a lot of fun to see. All right, let's move on to shows that are coming up. Stardom is doing the Goddess Goddesses Tag League. We don't have cards, but 
They'll be running. So they're running pretty much twice a weekend through the beginning of November. Yeah. So we'll have uh, a lot to talk about, I guess, on the next. I actually no. We will probably just breeze through these shows, I'm guessing. Well, unless they bring in, you know, 15 new people to fill all the slots, which. <laughs> yeah. Also possible. Very possible. Yeah, I mean, these, the matches could be fun, you know, looking at the roster. I mean, they certainly could put together some fun tag teams. Yeah, we'll see what the team, what the teamings end up up being. You know, I think a lot of it's going to ride on who teams with who and, you know, what happens there. But, you know, could be. But it, it just to me in my brain, it feels so, I mean, it is. It doesn't feel this way. It's so squished together in that I, you know, the five-star Grand P, it feels like just ended. And now I'm like, oh, and now we're doing another tournament. Okay, very fast turnaround. After we had, you know, the five-star Grand Prix end, and then we had three shows, and now it's like, oh, by the way, next week another tournament starting. It just is like, it's all all happening at once. It is. Uh, Diana is running Corican Hall on October 11. Yeah, and they have, it's a um, an excellent card uh, to me. A lot of fun guest appearances. I don't know... If this will make tape, where it will make tape, it could, I guess, be on Nico. I would doubt that they would put it on their YouTube because their YouTube seems more set up for their smaller sort of um, weekend shows. But, I mean, Madeline against Yumiko Hoda. Uh, Sari's appearing, uh, teaming with the Nami and Kyoru Ito to face off against Sekigun, Mayumi Ozaki, Yumi Oka, and Sayori Ano. Uh, the... Tag champions of Haruka Umisaki and Miyuki Takase are going to be defending their titles against Tai Hanma and Mika Ozaki. That should be a really fun match. They have a a dream mixed tag match in the semi-main, which is Jaguar Yakota and Shiro Koshinaka going up against Shinobu Kandori and the great Sasuke, which I think that could be a wacky fun match and then they are doing Ayako Sato is getting her um title rematch in the main event going up against the new champion Asuka so overall I think a very strong card I really hope that this makes tape because I think it could be a super fun exciting uh well-worked show and we have actress girls I was yes on this list here yeah they had a show today um which will be airing on nico on october 8th the big one on there is miyuki takase versus seri which you know two great wrestlers could be a great match uh that's sort of the last big show marvelous has a show in their dojo on october 11th nothing's been announced for it yet and then of course the question of when chaco pro starts season four season three just ending so that announcement will probably come in the next week or so when they will start up again and start running shows. But that's everything that is coming up. All right. Well, that's the world of Joshi, folks. We've covered it all. Uh, you know, stardom has dominated recently, but that will probably not be true for the rest of the year until we get to the build for the year end climax. So, you know, hopefully we can spend some time talking about some other things. Um, yeah. I guess that's it. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at J-Bomb Audio. No, I'm not. We are at J-Bomb Audio. Uh, I swear to God, we're going to try to do better. 
Uh, I'm at Aaron like the car. I will not do better. I promise. Uh, Taylor's at Tay Mambo. He doesn't really post. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends about the show. And uh, if you feel just some kindness in your heart, head over to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio and and toss us a few bucks. So anything else you want to say before we go, Taylor? I think we covered it all. Okay. Well, that's it. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye.